Welcome back to the Sphira series. Here we are at week two of Sphira Omer, and that is the week of Gvura. At the point of this recording, we are at day eight of the Omer, which um, is the Sphira of Chesed Shebi Gvura. And again, our goal here is really not to delve so deeply into Kabbalistic territory that we will not be able to understand, but to focus on the practical applications um, that we can draw out in terms of growth in our midos based on the particular sphera. We, you know, we, we've mentioned at the very least that the spheros are these, I guess, anthropomorphic emanations, the way Hashem relates to the world, just like Hashem has midos, um, the Yudgin Midos Arachim, which we just said on Yom Tov, Hashem Hashem Kel Rachum Bechanan. These are things that we apply to Hashem, we apply personality traits and attributes to Hashem so that we could understand Him on the level that we can. And the same thing for us, how we work in this world, how we um, emanate our energies, our personality traits, how we manifest our own personalities, trying to um, to walk after Hashem, to fulfill um, our purpose in this world of of emulating Hakadosh Baruch Hu, so we can use the the spheros as as jump pads and as as models for our midos that we should be working on. Last week we spoke about the application of Chesed and the and how. Um, how important chesed is, olam chesed yibana, which, by the way, is a pasuk in Tehillim, not in Yishayahu. Um, I just confirmed it. I just um, I actually came across the pasuk in my limud of Pirkei Avos, which I recommend for everybody. It's not it's not my minhag. It's it's, uh, it's a cloud strong minhag to learn Pirkei Avos at this time. We're going to do a little bit of Pirkei Avos as we did last time. Um, but the, the Pasuk Olam Chesed Yibane was quoted by many of the Mepharshim um, to explain how um, Torah Vodagimil's Chasadim, so we have the three pillars of the world uh, which, uh, you know, on which the Olam is Omed. Um, so these pillars, so one of them was Gimil's Chasadim, which we spoke about again at length last week. And um, the, the, the Pasuk that they quote is Olam Chesed Yibane, Pasuk right out of Tehillim. Okay, that the world is built and founded on Chesed. Now, this is actually a perfect introduction to the week of Gevura because when we consider, um, you know, Chesed, when we consider this goal of Chesed, we all we we already started speaking about last week how um, not only how important Chesed is because that's obvious we all know Chesed is important, but what, what what we started speaking about was how Chesed by itself and too much of it. Um, can really, um, things can go haywire. They're, they're supposed to be a balance. The spheros, if they teach us anything at all, it's about balance in terms of our midos. Right? That Hashem doesn't just relate to the world with one midah, and neither should we relate to ourselves and to our peers um, and to Him with one midah. So, you know, chesed comes from ahava, comes from love, it comes from the wanting to give. And we actually, we're going to find an incredible model in this week's Parsha, Parsha Shemini, for this attempt at chesed, a full-out ahava, um, but it did not um, it did not know a boundary, and because of the boundary that it did not know, things did not work out. Now, now we said that olam chesed yibane, the world was built and founded on chesed. But what if I told you that really, even though yes, the world um, in in practice, in history, historically, it was built and founded on chesed. What if I told you that Hashem's mode of creating the world um, was, you know, was done and with a premise of it being totally in the realm of Gevura, in the realm of Din? You see, so we've mentioned in the past 
that, uh, you know, based on the Ramchal and other Mikubala, and this came up plenty of times and always comes up in Parsha Panorama, that Hashem created the world with the intention of giving mankind the ultimate good. He needed to create a recipient, he needed a receptacle for his good, and clearly, it sounds like um, Hashem built the world with the intention of granting uh, goodness. However, even that goodness by itself was not going to be granted. We said that um, part of giving the ultimate good entails the alternate option of an ultimate bad and free choice. And if not for this, it would be Nahama de Kisufa. To receive just a free handout would be what the Mikubalim referred to as this bread of embarrassment, the Nahama de Kisufa. And that would actually detract from the ultimate chesed, which means that all chesed all by itself is actually not ideal. There has to be a din-oriented way to earn that chesed. And so Hashem put us here so that we can earn the chesed, but He put us here with obstacles. Part of the obstacles is the real founding of the world, which actually finds itself heavily rooted in gvura, in din. Because when Hashem created the world, and the Kabbalim, they all speak about this, and I really, you know, I'm not saying this from, just from the standpoint of the spheros, which I know little about, but um, the other basic thing that anyone who knows anything about Kabbalah, they, they might be able to tell you about, is Hashem's process for creating the world, which is a process known as Tzimtzum, which literally means to constrict, or to constrain, or to narrow and, and, and limit. And the, what Hashem had to do was, because if you could imagine Hashem's presence, which um, you know, does not know, also does not know bounds, does not know any space, um, it's not, it can't be contained within time or space, it's just overwhelming. It's beyond time and space. So how can you ever create a world where Hashem's um, existence, His presence is not overwhelming everything? So you need a, this, this uh, spiritual, scientific, Kabbalistic concept called Simtum, which actually creates a void in the world where Hashem's presence is not overwhelming it, or at least it can't be seen as overwhelming it, even though we know Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere, but there's a void in this world, which is this world, which created room for us. That was done through the Midah of Gevura, which means to be kovesh, to withhold yourself, right? Ezehu gibar ha-kovesh Yitzra. You want to know about Gevura, how to ingrain Gevura, so you have to be um, kovesh your Yitzra, you have to conquer your own inclination. If your inclination is to take up all the space, so to conquer that means to withhold yourself. And this is going to become very important when we get actually to the seven Kinyane Torah that I want to talk about this week. Um, the seven Kinyane Torah, which we, we, st- we did the first seven um, last week, we're doing the next seven this week. So just um, keep this in mind um, as um, we prepare ourselves to go over to the seven Kinyane Torah. We're not going to go there yet. I want to just continue on this, this, this um, concept of Gevura. Hashem created the world um, and He did so through this mechanism called Simsum, which based, basically the preface is Gevura. Gevura means again to withhold ourselves. Um, in a separate essay I once wrote about Adam Harishon and, and Chava, you know, their, their attempt to emulate Hashem, to do what the serpent says, they wanted to be like Hashem, and therefore they wanted to create, they wanted to do. But apparently, they missed out on one of the most important fundamentals of creation, which is to withhold of yourself, to not give in to your inclination. Right? Um, sometimes the Eitzahara wants us to believe that to be a gibar, to be godlike, means 
that we control everything, we do whatever we want, we can make any, you know, we, we, could, we have the free choice, and therefore we could be independent from the will of God. And you know, to, to be godly means to do not what God wants you to do, but it means to do what you want to do, because God makes his own decisions, we can make our own decisions. Right, you know, our, we could just follow our own instincts, whatever, whatever makes us happy. That would be the most godly thing. If I were God, how would I do things differently? But when God created the world, He didn't just make a bunch of decisions. But the whole basis of creation, the tzimtzum, the gevura of withholding of Himself, that is the fundamental component of godliness that Adam and Chava should have latched onto. Which is to say, we have the free choice to do whatever we want. But we're going to withhold our free choice in a certain sense. We're going to we're going to obey. We're going to submit ourselves, withhold ourselves, be kovishes yitzro, and not try to be independent, but actually to make ourselves dependent on Hashem. You know, not not to be in so you know um, you know uh, into making our choices, but be, uh, but taking glory in the fact that we want to subject ourselves to Hashem. So that's where this midah of gvura comes in to be kovishayetzer means that it's not all chesed all the time, right? In fact, Hashem created chesed when he saw that too much gevura, um, right? The basis of the creation was, was, was chesed, right? But the world couldn't exist with just Elohim, right? Hashem needed to, um, so Din was needed to actually create the world. Hashem had to withhold himself and, uh, himself, and Hashem had to create a process that's called nature, and by the rules of nature, things are not miraculous all the time. This, uh, this nature creates an order. Part of that order is schar and onesh. There's reward and punishment. You do something right, you get, a, you, know, you get a reward. You do something wrong, you get a punishment. And there are consequences. That's all a part of the natural order of the world. This is something that we call din. It's justice. It's gavura. It's just the world processing and navigating as it should. And that, and that, that, that should be it. However... Um, we know that um, we know this from Midrashim that Elohim created the world, but then Hashem Elohim needed to be involved in the creation of man. Once Hashem said, "Okay, man's gonna be man's gonna fail without any rachamim," so that's something that we're gonna get to a little bit when we talk about Tiferes. But Hashem had to be um, kind and loving and give that leeway for man. So, so we see that you know Hashem. You know, had a goal of chesed, but but gevura was needed, um, and but but the ideal always is to earn it through din, right? We say imavanos tishmar ka shemimod. If Hashem would constantly keep guard of our averos, so no one would be able to survive, right? That's why Hashem needed to to be merciful towards us. But the ideal, right, when we when we say that we want to earn the geula, right, lema'an shemo biyahava, are we going to get the geula um, out of, you know, out of, you know, out of the fact that we deserved it? Or are we going to get it, um, you know, and that means to get it all pidin? Or are we going to get it because, you know, Hashem just needed to give it to us because at, at a certain point we just couldn't take anymore? So... Din is the way we should, we ought to function. We should not rely on Hashem being nice to us later. We should try to do our part. Now that, that's, that's where this Midah of Gevura comes in. Now, one, um, one question before we get to the seven Kinyane Torah. I wanted to go back to this concept of Sirasa Omer that we only mentioned in passing last week. And that is the mourning period of the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva. So, 
the you know that 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 comes to a standstill when we hit Lagwa Omer. But the reason why I want um, you know I wanted to address this question is that you might think that there's just a coincidence. The fact that oh there's this period of Sfiris Omer we're counting up to Matan Torah, Kabbalah Torah, and we are working on our Midos and um, you know, the progression between the Karban Omer and then the and the Shteilachem. Uh, but there also happens to be a mourning period for, for uh, 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva. Like, what does the mourning period have to do with the march towards Kabbalah Satora? So we're going to come back to this question when we get to the seven Kinyone Torah that we have for today. Now that we understand a little bit about Gevura, which again means to, to overcome our Yetzir Hara, and not to grant too much Chesed, right? We said Chesed without bounds is chaos. Right, um, the the ahava without the yira, right? This is something that once again, you know, I mean, it comes up in our parsha with Nadav and Avihu. They approach Hashem with full out ahava, but they were they were not aware, um, or at least not uh, not not aware enough of the extent of the din of gevura, which which is sometimes very overwhelming. So we we understand that that gevura has a place, and gevura needs to be incorporated as a boundary against chesed, right? There there there, there is um you know we we gave the the mushal last week of you know a person who wants to give to another, and you know you can you can give of yourself, you could do it in a way that's completely inappropriate, right? If it has to do with a marital relations, which is an ultimate chesed, you're doing a kindness for someone, um, but um you know you um if if you're engaging with someone that you're not supposed to be. Engaging with, so that's that's um, chesed where it does not belong, and gvura needs to be um, um, tapped into at that moment. So we, we so we need we need we need to incorporate gvura. So now let's go on to this the next seven kinyanim. Last week we spoke about Talmud um, Talmud Torah. We spoke about Arichas Oshmias Ozen Arichas Vasayin Binas Halev Sichos Halev Ema and Yira. Okay, and so now um, um, Yira was something that we just um, mentioned just a little bit a, a few moments ago, but now we go into another important aspect of the Kinyane Torah, the first of which is Anava. Interestingly enough, Anava, part of the Kinyane Torah, which we said last week, it's the acquisition of Torah. These are prerequisites for Torah, and these are not just prerequisites, but these are jewels that come at the Torah, right? The count up to Kabbalah's Torah. This we did not mention, but it's not just oh you know you you get through forty nine days and then you, then then you get the Torah, right? Um, it, um, the the mashal that, that I that I just heard is that um, well, you know the reason also why we count up and why we don't count down is it's not just that oh in in, in forty nine you know basic nothing special days you'll get the Torah, but every one of the forty nine days is a treasure. Meaning, if I'm giving you $10,000 every single day, and then by the time you get to Kabbalah Satara, I'm going to give you a million dollars alone on that day. So each day is a treasure. Each day you're excited for. So here, each, each part of the Kinyane Torah is a treasure in its own right to help you acquire the Torah, but also, again, in its own right. So the first of the treasures that we're going to discuss right now is Anava. Anava, which means either modesty or humility, um, probably humility. I see Artsville translate said as modesty. I think it's more of humility. We talk about being an anav mikol adam. So, 
An important aspect of anava to consider is that anava does not necessarily mean that you are unaware of your own of your own stature. Um, but on the contrary, it means you are aware of your stature. Right? This is a discussion that uh, many have in Parshas Bahaloscha when talking about Moshe Rabbeinu, who was called an anav maod mikaladam. So was Moshe aware or unaware of his greatest? And the truth is, he was aware, and he was still humble. Um, it has to do with how you carry yourself. It has to do with how you think of yourself. You don't look um, down at others, but you look up to those that you have not reached. And if you are someone as great as Moshe Rabbeinu, then you're looking even higher. You're looking at the Malachim, and that's your source of inspiration. You're looking at a Kaddish Baruch Hu, realizing how small you really are. So when it comes to Kiyane Torah, Torah cannot come without Anivas. It just can't. You could be a Talmud Chacham, you can know a lot, and you could think that you know a lot, and you can be really proud of yourself, but then you know that, that intrinsically takes away from your worth as a Talmud Chacham. It, it completely takes away from the Torah that you have. It could be that you have less Torah than you would if you would be humble. To be humble means to be able to, to look for the things that you recognize you might not see at first glance. All right, so... Um, you know, you, you, in order to properly learn Torah, you need to be an anav. In order to learn from others, you need to be an anav. In order to properly process, you need to be an anav. You have to be well aware of that when you are learning Torah. So that's anava. Okay, then we have the next one is simcha. Now, I, I, I've been wondering if all of these Kenyani Torah actually build on the other, and I think they, they, they do. Right? We started with, you know, first we said or last week, first you've got to engage in the Talmud, you've got to learn. But once you learn how to learn, you've got to also learn how to listen. And once you listen to others, you have to figure out how to articulate your speech, and then know how to, how to extrapolate things, know how to discern things. And once you have that, you have to have um, ema, which is uh, you know, an awe for the, the, the endeavor you're engaging in, and a, a balanced yira. So then we get to anava. Once you have all of that, you have to become, you know, you know, you have to realize how humble you've got to be in this process. But once you've hit that, then you reach a point of simcha. And interestingly enough, Simcha is actually what corresponds to Gvur Sheba Gvura. Um, whatever that means, right? The, the, the second day of the week of Gvura is going to be Simcha. And it could be that a person who completely hones in on Gvur Sheba Gvura, that he realizes and masters um, what, you know, the, the importance of Gvura for the sake of Gvura, you know, the tough love, right? Where you have to, you know, you have to grab your kid who's running in the street because you love him. And you might hurt his arm when you pull him, but because you love him, you're going to do that. So, you know, that's something that can actually lead to simcha in the, in, the, in the long term. So when it comes to learning Torah, at least, if you're learning Torah and you're not happy, so then, you're, then you're, there's something wrong with your, with your, with your Torah, right? Um, you know, you, you, need, you, you need to appreciate the Torah. It has to be something that you genuinely, genuinely desire. Um, we, we say, yeah, like, it has to make you happy. And, um, you know, the, it's for this reason that um, when a person is in Avelos, you, you can't learn Torah, um, when, um, at least the, the week of Shiva or on Tisha B'Av or uh, days like that. Because um, Torah makes a person happy. So if it's not making you happy, so you maybe you know then you're not engaging in it the right way. It has to you know it has to be something that comes with simcha. One of the treasures of someone who truly enjoys his Torah is is is, is genuine simcha. Okay, so the next of the of the seven kinyanim number three for this week is tahara tahara purity. Now, what exactly does this have to do with Torah learning or Torah um, asek? So tahara we usually think of ritual purity, 
but tahara has more than one connotation in Judaism, and the ritual aspect um, is also, in a sense, a model for the other aspect of tahara, or maybe vice versa. But there are the other aspect of tahara is like what we daven in our davening, um, or if you look, for example, in Mesil uh, Sisharim, there's a whole chapter devoted to tahara, and there the Ramchal talks about how tahara is the idea that we do everything completely for the sake of Hashem, that we have no ulterior motives. And when it comes to Torah, genuine, pure Torah, Torah that is Tahor, is Torah that is learned and engaged in and taught because of no other reason than this is the, the this is Ratzon Hashem. And a person who is able to have the Simcha for what he's doing, so it can't just be that, you know, like, oh yeah, well this is a, this is a kind of Torah that I enjoy. If it's Torah with Tahara, yes, it'll be the Simcha of engaging in, in the Asek that Hashem wants you to engage in, but you need the Tahara that you're doing it for no ulterior motive. And that, you know, Tahara is one of the hardest things to master. Um, I don't know if, you know, if it, most people are in our generation um, could master such a thing, but it's something at least to be conscious of. I think one of the battles of Tahara is just to be conscious of that battle for Tahara. Right? I, I, um, so when I, you know, when I dive in Tahara, as I mentioned in Baal Workshop numerous times, that, that, that for me is a tefillah, and hopefully it, it um, helps me regain a consciousness of what I'm trying to do if I didn't have it until that point. You know, the, 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 the three times I would say, at least in terms of diving for the Amud, I've said this in the past also in the workshops, is before you go up to diving for the Amud, um, um, when you're expecting to do a good job, as you're doing it and you sound good, and as you're walking away and people are coming up to you because they enjoyed it, hopefully. So those are three times that you have to try to think in your mind, Vatahir, the Beneloved, the Chaba Emes. But uh, certainly here when we talk about Tahara, that, that, is, that is the optimal goal. Okay, so now number four is Shimush Chachamim. Literally, ministering of the sages, assisting the sages. So the Gemara talks about Shemesh Talmud Chachamim, which literally um, means what I just translated it to be, but in context, it refers to the learning of Gemara. Now, here in this particular case, it might actually just mean the actual assisting of the Chachamim, right? getting the door, holding the door, driving your Rebbe around, or, or letting your Rebbe borrow um, a talis um, if, he, if, he, uh, if he doesn't want to use the yeshiva talis because he technically owns all of the yeshiva talis and, and he wants to borrow a talis when he's davening for the Amud or something like that, which Baruch Hashem was something that I've had the opportunity to do. Um, um, you know, several times for my Rebbe Ruf Sachs. So, it's a, and it's a schus. But the point is that a person who appreciates Torah is someone who, even when he is not, um, you know, when, when he's not engaged in the actual practice of learning, but he's observing his Rebbe, and he's getting close to his Rebbe. He's doing things for and with his Rebbe. And th- these things, you learn, you, you learn so much. The Gemara and Brachos tell stories about, about um, Talmidim of Rebbeim who either followed them into the bathroom or followed them into the bedroom to see what their conduct was, because Torah Hivah Now, we don't have to get that extreme, but just the, the opportunity to be able to serve, the opportunity to be able to engage with, is, is, is something that's invaluable. So you have Shimush Chachamim. Um, and you know, and it, there's, there's not much that you can do better than that. Okay, then the next two are very similar. And you have to be careful about it uh, because they're different. The next one is, is Diktok Chaverim. And the one after that is Pilpul Hatalmidim. Right, so the, the, these are five and six. So Diktok Chaverim 
Um, literally, diktuk means to be precise or to be careful. Chaverim means friends. Diktuk chaverim, the carefulness of friends. What does that mean? So it could mean that you're carefully choosing your friends. Maybe it's you are analyzing with your friends, um, analyzing a situation. Um, but diktuk, again, means to be precise. Chaverim means your friends. So part of Torah, apparently, has to do with your chavra. Now, this doesn't mean you shouldn't be friends to everybody. You should. You should, you know, you should be a good person to everybody. But well, your chavra is the people that you are surrounded by. And that's something that requires important diktuk. A diktuk, um, you know, we know uh, is a reference to grammar, because gra- grammar means to be precise, it means to be accurate, to be careful, to analyze properly, to have all the dots in the right place and have the most accurate speech. Um, so in, in terms of chaverim, so when you have a conversation with your friends, and you're being careful about something, you're being precise. So, um, that, you know, that's something that comes with, with, with Torah life. And the acquiring of Torah has to come with Dikto Chaverim. And then you have Pilpo Hatamidim. Pilpo always refers to the analytical discussions. So diktuk I mean, is about accuracy. Pilpul hatalmidim. That's technically um, what we you know what we think of when you have a technical discussion, a lumdish discussion, all the pilpul, the back and forth. So you know, at the end of the day, I guess you need both of these things. But it's interesting that one is referred to as pilpul hatalmidim, one is diktuk chaver, meaning you have chaverim on the one hand, you have talmidim on the other. Now, when we talk about pilpul talmidim, this um, this seems like it's more of a classroom setting. You know, you have students who are thinking together based on the lesson that they had just learned, and they're going back and forth. That is one of the beauties of of, of Torah acquisitions. It's one of the beautiful treasures. I think diktuk chaverim is more about the the fine points. Um, the fine details, and also again, perhaps in choosing your friends, um, it's something that you know that that is is very very important. And before we get to the last of the the kinyanim that we're going to talk about today, which I guess would be kinyan number fourteen, or for for today's session it would be seven. Um, but this goes back to the important aspect of why we have a mourning period or why it's not a coincidence that we have a mourning period for the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva right here um, during Sfirah Sa'omer. And it, the idea, very simply, which we've spoken about, is Derech Haaretz Kadma Torah. The fact that the Gemara tells us that the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva were not noeg kavod zelazeh, right? That in, in this particular time, which apparently, you know, these people were on the, on the level of what should have been Tanoim, and... Unfortunately, they, they, they lacked in a basic fundamental. How so, it's hard to, for us to relate to. But in terms of our own growth, we can think about you know, how many times we put ourselves before others, and it should be the other way around. The, for working on our midos, so the trek to Kabbalah Torah, if you want um, Torah, then you need Da'acharetz, which is Kadmala Torah. And when we think about Dikto Chaverim, I think um, the, the, the careful analysis of your friend, it's not just something about a lesson in Torah where you're talking Torah together. I, but I think diktu chaverim. It's not just about talmidim, it's about chaverim. The idea, when we say chaverim, what is diktuk? Diktuk means to look very carefully. Sometimes, uh, you know, um, a person needs something and it takes a careful analysis to know what they need. And a good friend, a good chaver, is someone who will be able to anticipate the needs of that individual. Rabbi Moshe Meir Weiss says about bikur cholim. Bikur also means to investigate. Right? Some, some people think bikur cholim means I need to show face. I need to show them, oh, I was here, I was here, and the chola knows that you were there. And you're going to wake them up, you're going to cough while they're sleeping, you know, um, and you're going to try to get, get their attention. 
B Corp means to investigate. What's the needs of this individual? Do they want to be bombarded now? Do they do they want to hear my questions about about how they're doing? Maybe they just want someone to figure out what they need, what they actually need, and not you know um, not what I think they need. So Diktuk Chaverim, I think, speaks to that idea where. Uh, another person in the room is not just someone that you talk Torah with. It's not just someone that you get um, Shemayim brownie points with, um, you know, or or you you know you're you're you know you you use them as a as a, a mirror um, for for analytical discussion in Torah. But a good Talmud Chacham, someone who's acquired Torah, knows how to anticipate the needs of his friend. Um, and I, I think that's something that's very very important. It's um, it's an important acquisition for Torah, and it's a, it's one of the treasures that comes with being a true Torah youth. Okay, and the final one is Yishuv. Some Mepharshim say that it's not just Yishuv, but about Yishuv Hadas. All right, something that, that you need for Torah and something that Torah grants you is the ability to have um, this calmness, this the, the, the ability to for, for deliberation, that your mind is set and it's calm and it's able to engage in the mental processes and, and emotionally, you know, you're prepared. So, you know, the, the idea that if you have friends, if you have people to bounce ideas off of, and you have all these other, um, these other things, that you're doing things in purity, you're doing it with a simcha, and you're humble about it. Um, and so you, 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 you're someone who carefully observes his Rebbe, he carefully observes other Talmidim, um, or his friends, and he's, he, he engages in, in, in that effort. So Yishuv is something that naturally should, be a re, um, should naturally be a result, that you are, again, you're set, you're calm, the Torah is Meshivas Nefesh. Right, Torah to me, Moshevus Nafesh. It's something that um, if you have the Torah, and in order to have Torah, right, it works both ways. Um, then, um, the, then that's something that you need, and it's something that you will be granted. Right? Hashem will, will will grant the person Yishuv, someone who's able to be relaxed and be able to make important decisions. And that, and you know that, and that, that is something that I think. Whether in Torah or not in Torah, that's something that we all can benefit from, something that we all yearn for, and it's something that we should all be zocha to have. But that takes us through um, Kenyonim number 8 through number 14. I'll list them once more. We had Anova, we had Simcha, we had Tahara, we had Shimush Chachamim, Diktul Chaverim, Pilpul HaTalmidim, and Yishuv. And Bezras Hashem, next week we'll pick up with the week of Teferas, and the next um, seven Kenyanim, which will start from Mikra. Um, but in the meantime, that takes us through week number two of the Sphere series. And I look forward to growing with you next time. Be'ezra Hashem. Thanks for joining us here at the database.